I'm Ed Gross, and you're listening to CloserWeekly.com's classic TV and film podcast, where we celebrate the golden age of television and movies, then and now. It was 50 years ago that Felix Unger was requested to move himself from his place of residence. That request came from his wife, and thankfully she did. Otherwise, he never would have moved in with Oscar Madison, and we would have been denied the first TV version of The Odd Couple. The battle between the neat Nick and the slob began in 1965 with the debut of Neil Simon's Broadway play starring Walter Matthau and Art Carney. This was followed by the 1968 movie version with Matthau and Jack Lemmon. Klugman and Randall's 1970-1975 series was next. And from there, Damon Wilson and Ron Glass in The New Odd Couple, Rita Moreno and Sally Struthers on Broadway in the so-called Female Odd Couple, Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick bringing the original back to Broadway, and Matthew Perry and Thomas Lennon in the most recent TV version. It's an amazing legacy, and Bob Lesjack is the man who decided to chronicle it all in the pages of his book, The Odd Couple on Stage and Screen. In this episode, we're talking odd with Bob Lesjack. Let's start at the beginning with The Odd Couple, the thing that led you to write this book about the show. I've always been a fan of the show, and uh, it was not actually my first choice a book. I was looking to write about the Mary Tyler Moore show, which is my all-time favorite. And uh, even the publishers said, yeah, they, they green-lighted it. And just as I was about to get started and uh, calling people and getting interviews, I noticed that a book had just come out. I think this was late 2010 or 2011. And I said, well, maybe I'd better wait on this and pick something else. So I alerted the publishers and they said, well, what else would you like to do? And I ran a few by them, and uh, it seemed that The Odd Couple had not been done in a long time. One of my favorite shows, so it would be a labor of love, and opted for that. And they suggested that I trace its entire history, the story of The Odd Couple, from way back its Broadway roots, then how it got to uh, cinema, and then its many incarnations on television and recreations on stage and even the follow-up movies, the, the, the sequel movies, and even a TV movie over the years and the many different people who have played the roles in those different incarnations over the years. And it took a couple of years to write and uh, one of the most fun projects I've ever been involved in. You know, you wanted to pick The Odd Couple and obviously the Jack Klugman, Tony Randall show are celebrating the 50th anniversary this year, uh, which is like for a guy who was there watching in first run, that's pretty mind-blowing. But as you pointed out, there's all these different incarnations from 65 when the play debuted with Walter Matthau and Art Carney to as most recently as the CBS series with uh, Matthew Perry and Thomas Lennon. What is it, though? What is it about The Odd Couple, which you could trace to other shows too, like Perfect Strangers and that sort of thing, uh, that sort of premise, similar premise. But what is it about The Odd Couple that has been so impactful that this thing lives on and on and on. <laughs> well, so many people can relate because it's such a human thing. It's something we've all experienced or we've seen uh, where two people live together, um, whether they're dating or whether they're just roommates and they get on each other's nerves. Uh, of course, in the extreme, in the odd couple, it's really taken <laughs> to as far as you can go for both of them, uh, really extreme characters. But we, we've all been there. We've all had somebody who got on our nerves and uh, yet we still like them. And uh, maybe they lived with us. Maybe they were just a coworker, but everybody can relate to that kind of person, uh, whether it's the Felix, the perfectionist or the slob, the Oscar Madison or somebody with some of both of those 
different qualities uh, that have, uh, you know, gotten on our nerves over the years. And uh, it's a very human thing. Uh, It's universal. It'll work forever. That's why the show is still popular. What is it about Klugman and Randall? Because obviously a lot of people have played Felix and Oscar, Oscar and Felix. What do you think it is about these two guys that they made the impact that they did for a show that wasn't a ratings hit, really, in its original run? Well, it also worked, I think, in the original movie. Uh, Matthau and Lemon were perfect in those roles. And uh, I think very few people thought that uh, it could ever be redone even better. And I think it was in the TV series. And they were not the original choices for the TV roles. Uh, Tony Randall was pretty much one of the initial choices, but it was supposed to be him teaming with Mickey Rooney. But it wound up being Jack Klugman. It was uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes choice, and it wound up being absolute magic. Great chemistry, great timing, uh, all the lines. And one of the main things about them playing these roles is that they were so much in real life like the characters. It was almost typecasting. They weren't exactly like that. I mean, Felix, uh, I I was told, would enjoy a beer and would enjoy sports. The the, the Tony Randall character, actually, the, the real person. But um, and Oscar was maybe not uh, Jack Klugman was maybe not as sloppy, but he did gamble in real life. He did like the horses. He did lose a lot of money at the at the racetrack. And so there was a lot of the characters in the real people playing them. And that's why it worked so well. It was almost typecasting. Uh, and they really related to the roles and to each other very well. In fact, over the years, they became even better friends than when they were actually doing the show. And uh, that shows there's a lot of YouTube clips of them being together in later years and a lot of great stories about it. I mean, in fact, uh, Klugman's book and um, somebody else had written a book about their their friendship over the years. But um, there was so much of them in the characters that uh, it just worked and it still works today. It works so well. Watching those episodes, there was a marathon just the other day, and they showed the uncut uh, episodes on a, on a channel in New York, WLNY Channel 55. It's a yearly tradition that they show those for New Year's Eve. And I think every year it gets bigger and bigger, and um, I hope they continue it. It was a lot of fun seeing them. Since I had written the book, I've been away from the episodes because I watched them so many times <laughs> sure. over and over when I was writing the book. Uh, and I just recently with that marathon went back to them and, and it was funny. It was, it was great. It was like uh, a little refresher course. It was fun seeing them again. They still work. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the funny thing is like, you know, I'm, I'm the father of three sons who are in their twenties and thirties and they could care less about anything that existed prior to their, to their existence. Uh, but the funny thing is, and my youngest is probably the most cynical when it comes to that stuff. And I was watching a DVD of the odd couple and I can't tell you the joy I got from the fact that he was actually laughing. He was laughing at something from the 1970s. I couldn't believe it. Well, I, and also they have a little bit of familiarity with the topic and the, the premise of the show because there was a remake that lasted three seasons a few years ago. It wasn't great. It got better as it went along. But the timing was impeccable because as I was writing the book, I found out about the new version with Matthew Perry and Thomas Lennon. And uh, it just made everything current again. It made my book even uh, more topical and, and pertinent in the year that it came out. Otherwise, it would have been, like you said, that the show is celebrating its 50th anniversary. 
But suddenly the topic was current again, and uh, I, I couldn't have timed it any better. Absolutely. It's a shame the new version didn't work a little better. It was just starting to find its footing as it was canceled. Uh, it was a little rough in the uh, early go. And Thomas Lennon made a great Felix Unger, by the way. Oh, he absolutely did. You know, what were your thoughts on Matthew Perry as uh, Oscar? You know, I, when I first heard he was going to be in the cast, I said, perfect Felix, because he played that finicky type of character, uh, that very quirky character on Friends, and he was great at that. When I heard he was playing Oscar, I said, I don't know. I don't see him as that. And I never did buy into his character, his his interpretation of Oscar. There wasn't enough Oscar in it. It was very, very toned down, unlike the Felix. The Felix was just as persnickety as Tony Randall had been. A little different uh, interpretation with Thomas Lennon, but still, you know, very out there. Right. I think it was just too tame on the Oscar Madison side with Matthew Perry. I don't know why, but uh, it, it, I just never bought into him being the sloppy character. It, it just wasn't, there wasn't enough sloppy there. I've heard from people behind the scenes that, you know, Klugman really was at times, you know, very surly. They, they, <laughs> And, and he would he would he would even snap. One thing he would do a lot is uh, if he didn't really know where his character in an episode was going, he would scream at the top of his lungs. What do I want? Meaning, what does the character? What is he looking for? Uh, what what should the what emotion am I looking for in this? What do I want? Was was a famous thing that he would say a lot. Actually, scream it at whoever the writers were. And, he needed a, you know, more of an explanation of where he was going with this particular episode right. and his character and how he was reacting to things. What do I want? <laughs> but what was the impression, the people who had worked on the show, what was their perspective looking back on it now? Generally speaking, of course. I mean, uh, from speaking to everybody you did, what did they think of the show? Very few people were, were sorry they did it. Uh, there was one actress, I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, her name had two M's in it. And she said both times were, were very unpleasant. She did it twice. Oh, Mar really? Marlon, Marlon Mason. Okay. Marlon Mason. Uh, but everybody else had, had pretty positive uh, aspects of, of having been on the show. Okay. Eleanor Donahue, who was a semi-regular, she started out. Uh, not too sure that uh, she was going to be doing it because she and Randall didn't get along. And then they became great friends later on when he apologized. <laughs> uh, he was not too pleased with her in her first episode and uh, he kind of lost his temper on set. But the next day there were flowers in her dressing room and a big apology sign. So, she, you know, they became friends later on. <laughs> oh, that's Everything was patched up and, and that's why she stayed on the show. And Miriam just kind of vanished, right? She was just suddenly not there anymore. Am I right or am I misremembering? And, and it's kind of funny. There, there's so many uh, inconsistencies in the show. She was upstairs, Miriam, and another episode she lives below them. Right. <laughs> Gary Marshall was, was not persnickety about keeping the uh, the facts of the show intact. Because if I, in fact, there's a section of the book where I list as many as I can find of those. And there are a lot, and some of them are funny, uh, different addresses that they've lived at, uh, the, the address that the odd couple reside in changes, uh, throughout the show. There's, there's one episode where they are on park Avenue and they're somewhere else, 57th or something. Right. Uh, and, and a lot of things change over the episodes, over the five seasons, different writers and, uh, just not a lot of continuity, but if you, only if you watch them in order, do you notice that only the true 
odd couple aficionado is going to is going to notice that the average person, eh, yeah, right. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It also had the distinction of actually having an ending at a time when TV shows really. I mean, I know the Fugitive had an ending. But there weren't too many shows that had actual endings, right? Like this one did. This is true. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show, of course, the famous ending when they all get fired except Ted. Um, it's funny because allegedly two different endings were made of the show where uh, Gloria and Felix do get married. Another ending, possibly because the show was kind of in limbo for coming back for a sixth season. As you had mentioned earlier, the, the show was never a hit. The highest it was ever rated was 36th for the year. And yet uh, it was a cheap show to produce. And so it, ABC kept uh, giving it a green light. Okay, we'll do one more season. Okay, we'll do one more season. It totaled five. The interesting thing is I've yet to ever find any copies of the alternate ending of the show where they don't remarry. Uh, I guess all copies have been lost over the years or just nobody cared to save it. But uh, allegedly there was one done where they uh, remain estranged and had they gone into a sixth season, that premise would have continued. Interesting. I mean, because part of my understanding is that Klugman was definitely ready to move on and Randall wanted to stay. That was the impression I had. Yes, yes. In fact, when when, um, Tony Randall got his Emmy finally for playing Felix after the show had been canceled, in his acceptance speech, he said something like, okay, now I need a job. Right. <laughs> something like that. Anybody, anybody want to hire me? That's and he right. wound up getting the great Tony Randall show just a couple of seasons later, which was wonderful, but only lasted two seasons. But yeah. I loved it. Yeah, no, it was good. That's where he was a judge, right? Or no? Yes, yes. yes. An MTM show and should have lasted longer. Just for some reason, never clicked. Yeah. Yeah, and the networks were losing their patience. Unlike the odd couple where they're like, yeah, we're new in another year. What the heck? <laughs> Just give it another year. And this one even switched networks. The Tony Randall show started on ABC and then moved to CBS. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. The most important question of all, though, when it comes to the odd couple, and you've got to be able to answer this, can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? I think they proved it in 114 episodes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> There's, there's no way neg- negatory <laughs> absolutely not meant to be and that's what makes that's and that's funny that's why the show works had it had they been able to live together there was a show in the 1970s which was so weird it was a norman lear show called the dumplings and it was premised around an extremely happy couple and it was the most boring sitcom i've ever seen <laughs> and it, that kind <laughs> of thing was never tried again Nobody wants to and see happiness. That's why <laughs> nobody wants to see happy. Nope. Uh, unless it's a, a, a rom-com where everything works out in the end. But right. uh, that, that was a terrible show. And it was, it was a great cast. It was uh, James Coco and um, Geraldine Brooks. And uh, it should have, had, had there been a little bit of conflict, they were, they were two chubby people who ran a deli. And they were just so much in love. And it, it just, it was like sickeningly sweet. And for Norman Lear, to take all the conflict out that was so bizarre but uh, yeah that proved that you have to have conflict in sitcoms oh absolutely i mean, I mean uh, you know you say that with norman lear it's like i just remember my grandmother who you know was of course all in the family to her was like this alien arrival she didn't know what to make of it and her way of describing the show to me is all they do is yell at each other it's a stupid show <laughs> but but there's a show full of conflict right 
I'll never forget watching the first episode of All in the Family. I was a little PO'd at All in the Family coming on because they canceled one of my favorite shows, The Governor and JJ, to bring it on. I loved that sitcom. Well, they brought on All in the Family, and the night I watched it, mind you, I'm, I'm just a little tyke at this time. Right. Watching that, I'm watching and experiencing and thinking in my head, television has just changed in front of my very eyes. Yeah. I had never seen anything like it, and I, and I watched with you know, mouth agape and eyes wide open thinking, wow. (laughs) And I, I was right, right right from the get go. I said, this, this is, this is different. Oh, absolutely. This is the future of television right here. I'm seeing the future. Look, Fred Silverman, for whatever you want to say of him as a pro TV programmer, he's the one who said, let's do the rural purge. Let's get rid of all these shows, no matter how successful they were, let's get rid of them. Mm -hmm. Right. And he brought ushered in this whole new age of television. And it worked. He he was lucky that it worked. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> because he canceled a lot of top 10 shows. Beverly Hillbillies, Green Acres, um, Petticoat Junction. All of those shows were gone, suddenly gone. Yeah, absolutely. Mayberry RFD. Yeah. But then, then you get that classic Saturday night lineup, right, of uh, All in the Family, MASH, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart, and Carol Burnett. Oh, my God. That was great. That was fun it was fun to be home on saturday nights nowadays nobody's home on saturday nights so they they show reruns of things they showed during the week it was a different era but, absolutely uh, i think people were people were home on saturday nights i know i was yeah and I, i'm not ashamed to say it you know <laughs> i was home watching yeah. it, was, it was it was the original must-see television absolutely hey even the odd couple on friday nights right what was it the brady bunch the partridge family the odd couple room 222 and yes, love american yes. style <laughs> There you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and probably The Odd Couple was one of the lowest rated of those shows. And uh, luckily it survived five seasons. That's the amazing thing to me. Yeah. Well, like, like I said, it was, it was a cheap show to produce. The, the stars were not looking for friends type money. <laughs> Where they were, you know, those guys were making a million dollars an episode at the end. Uh, Randall and Klugman just wanted to work. Absolutely. They, they were not obsessed with how much they were making. They were having fun doing it. They, they knew they were doing something really good and they wanted to continue as long as they could. Yeah. You know, the premise of the odd couple, do you think that it's, is it's past its prime or do you think it's a premise that can still continue to work? Oh, just look at the, the sitcoms most recently, big bang theory. What a success that is. And that's two people living together who are total opposites. <laughs> That's true. Leonard and uh, Sheldon, yeah. Two, Sheldon is your is your Felix, and well, maybe not an Oscar, but uh, Leonard is not Sheldon. He's very different from Sheldon. They're both uh, very smart people, right? But yet, uh, there's the conflict of two diverse people living together in the same apartment and not getting along, and and making a lot of people laugh as a result. I think that. That can go on forever, and hopefully it will. Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? You might as well ask, can people listen to a podcast without subscribing to it, sharing it with their friends, and giving it a five-star review? We hope not. Thanks very much for listening.